Greetings, citizen detectives, antler queens, and secret boyfriends. Welcome to Yellow Jackets Buzz, talking about episode seven of the Showtime series Yellow Jackets. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Issa, NYC Demon Diva. Issa, episode seven, your first thoughts. I think my first thoughts were, holy S. I think that's why I tweeted and then I texted you a bunch of emojis because I couldn't put into words what we just saw. So I think I just sent you a bunch of emojis. <laughs> I was, after this episode, looking online and I'm like, did we see some promo images that maybe are going to contradict some things that happen in this? Should we be fearing the worst? I don't know. Right. And so I think we were talking about this right before we went on the air, but we're saying for next week, we have to almost start breaking these up and do like a live chat you know, at 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific on Saturday nights to just almost have our live reactions to this. And we can I 1,000% want yeah. to do this. Yes, because I wanted to talk about it last night. As soon as it stopped, I was like, oh, my God, I need to talk about this. <laughs> so yeah. I love the idea of going live right after we watch them. Just to, like, do, like, our, like main reactions. We'll still recap it, obviously, yeah, more detail. But yeah. I think just doing a quick chat after we watch it is an excellent idea. So episode seven, No Compass. Oh my God, we pick up where we left off at the end of episode six with uh, Ty out. Now, she wasn't actually in the tree. We did see her in a tree later in the episode. Um, but just her reaction to getting this text going inside, cleaning up the wound on her hand where she bit her hand, the dirt in her teeth, under her fingernails. I mean, I know we talked about the spookiness of last week in that reveal. But how, what, what were your thoughts and your process seeing this almost reality of Ty dealing with the aftermath of her disassociative episode? Um, I thought it was, I'm going to say, a little bit powerful and at the same time scary because it obviously looks like she can't control these and she don't know when they happen. And the way that she just kind of like snapped back into it and just seeing her, I guess it was probably one of the very few times that we see Ty look vulnerable. And I yeah. appreciated that because I wish I told you how strong I always feel like she comes off to, so, to see her cry, washing off, like seeing what she did and knowing that she can control it and just seeing a more vulnerable side to her character. I like that. It was really interesting. And you almost got the impression this was the first time she sort of snapped back to reality um, and had to deal with the aftermath. Whatever we've seen before, she was unaware of her actions. But in this moment, if you just look at what we saw here, like so much presence uh, in her eyes, in her reactions. And, you know, I really, really, um, Tawny Cypress, I have to to give it up for her performance here because you could just see this fear, this nervousness, this coming to the realization of this dissociative episode that she is, for all intents and purposes, the lady in the tree that has been haunting her son, Sammy. Yes, I'm 1000% with you. As you know, I have shared with you in, pr in prior episodes that she is my favorite character in the show this far. And I feel like there's a reason to it. I feel like she's such a complex character and she's just playing her so well. I'm so intrigued by Thais and her story and what it is that's going on and, you know, what what where this is leading to, which I do think we did. We do see a little bit of it later on in the episode of what's leading to this. Yeah, and uh, it's interesting. So we go from her lack of control here back to 1996, where she is completely in control and saying, okay, I'm going southward bound on a mission to find a town, uh, a road, whatever I can to rescue us and get us out of here and discussing it with the group. And it starts off where it's, I mean, she's, she's alone in this decision. Um, everyone's treating it like she's, she's uh, you know, taking a big risk here. Um, what did you... Uh, 
think about this decision of being really proactive about their own rescue? I, I, I agree with her. And I was trying to put myself in the situation. I'm lost in the woods. It's 1996. We've been sitting here. Nobody's finding us. And I have to say, I was with Jackie on this one when I was like, what she's saying makes sense. Because what did she say? We either go out there and, and die trying to get help or we die here. What are our options? And I think she has a point. If they just sit there, they're not doing anything. They're, they're running out of food. They're running out of supply. Somebody has to come up with a plan fast. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, it's very interesting that we go from this to then Lottie uh, cutting up, uh, I believe it's a burnt deer carcass. I, I, I believe this was the carcass of the deer they did not eat that was infested in the previous episode. Yes. Has anyone identified what the bone or exact anatomical relation was, the, the scientific name of the piece of bone that Lottie pulled out yet? I haven't seen that online. I haven't seen that online. And I being I told you before we went on the air, I was, you know, read it on YouTube, watching recaps, and I have not seen anybody being able to identify what the bone actually is. Yeah. So she she takes it out noticing it didn't burn at all. Then we go to Van and Ty having a conversation um after and Van not fully on board with this. Uh Ty also giving herself a badass haircut. Why though? Well I mean, I know that Ty is always doing the most. But this felt so randomly unnecessary. <laughs> um, I think, okay, so my thought on this was, first and foremost, practicality. I mean, think about you're going in the woods, you're going to be hiking through parts unknown, you don't know what you're going to be dealing with. It seems to me like having a lot of hair that could get caught in things um, might be a bit of a hindrance, or just even if you're going to be doing some heavy-duty hiking and sweating more, you know, it's, it's, I looked at this almost like the way that swimmers shave their entire body to reduce resistance in the water. I looked at this as Ty saying like, okay, this is now about function over fashion and I need to be streamlined for the, the hike of my life. I appreciate your take on this, but that's what hair ties are for. Um, Listen, I'm somebody that has hair probably too long, which, by the way, I am not the antler queen. You can probably suspect that I am based on my hair today, but I am not. However, I would just put my hair up. I'm not cutting my hair to go. What's going to happen when the winter months come? Your hair keeps you warm. It grows back, Isa. Uh, uh, you know how long it takes to grow hair that long? Somebody <laughs> did point out. If you really want to nitpick, Natalie's roots aren't necessarily showing like someone with dyed blonde hair who has been in the woods now for a period of months. And I was like, okay, that is a fair point. But we don't know. She could have brought a touch-up kit with her to Nationals. You know? You never know. You got to stay on point. I mean, this is, I, I, I'm, I'm not even going to say anything because I packed that touch-up kit to come <laughs> here to Puerto Rico. So. <laughs> I cannot even argue this with you because I am that girl. <laughs> and I, I mean, and I thought about it like Coach Ben's stubble. Like, there's been some shaving going on. Like, there are some some comforts uh, that that uh, the survivors are dealing with. But look, I want to talk about this, and I, I almost hate that this was foreshadowing because it is a little bit of a trope. And I feel like in hindsight we should have known. But Van's speech. Um, about I've only been to New York once. All I wanted was a soft pretzel. I'm going to get out of this. I want to go to New York and get a soft pretzel with you. This was such like a beautiful and touching moment. And I feel like I just got reeled in by this emotional manipulation of giving us this 
beautiful moment between them given what happened later in the episode like like rewatching this like i want to cry during this scene i personally uh almost had a bad feeling as soon as they made that moment so sweet in addition to that as a new yorker she lost me at the central park horse carriage ride because you know those horses are just so abused carrying all of these humans for no reason whatsoever so um uh, the New Yorker in me was like, no, don't do that, girl. Just go for a nice walk in Central Park. You're both athletes. You can handle a walk in Central Park. Do not abuse the horse. <laughs> Liv, Liv Houston, they are the MVP of this episode. Liv is an amazing actor. And I love yes. the range that we saw with Liv's scenes, well, with Van in this episode. Everything from yes. emotion to I've comedy. I've been a fan of Van since the beginning. No, absolutely. Yeah. And Liv Yeah, I've been a incredible. fan of Ben and her performance since the beginning. And I think I think in this episode she really, really shine and shown what she can do. Absolutely. And um we then have Nat and Travis sharing a moment. Uh Travis finding the old spice, which yeah, I mean disinfectant, right? Like this could be very useful. It's 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 funny. To think about because it's like, why are you bringing this jug of cologne with you on a trip that you didn't even want to go on, that you're getting dragged along to with your dad and brother to nationals? And I was like, well, I got to smell good because you never know. Yeah, it smells like sexy grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite line on that scene. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And uh, Nat doesn't want Travis to go, uh, wants him to stay behind. There's, uh, you know, insistence upon keeping the rifle, not having them go out in the woods with that, which, again, foreshadowing, like, rifle might have come in handy if they're not going to be hunting uh, there at the homestead. But uh, Lottie giving uh, Van the, uh, the, the good luck charm, the bone that dug out of the deer, and saying that she, that she had this dream of a river flowing with blood and red smoke. So... As we're seeing, Lottie is, uh, yeah, off off her meds. Lottie's pretty accurate about some of her premonitions. Uh, yes, pretty freaking accurate. And and I wish that Ben would have just paid more attention to this conversation and kind of like taken into consideration the fact that Ben is aware that Lottie is pretty accurate on her, you know, premonitions or predictions. So, you know, foreshadowing once again. Yes, I'm sure she's just also pulling out all sorts of lottery numbers and sports bets they should be placing, but there's nothing they can do in the wilderness with Lottie's accuracy. <laughs> maybe her powers don't count towards um, making money. Like, you know, maybe you can oh, pick like whether you can either save life or make people rich, and hers is more of a life-saving power. Wasn't that uh, the plot in The Gift? That was, that was the, Wait the idea? Wait a minute. Didn't her... Isn't her dad the one that bought the private jet? So she is loaded. So maybe her parents are using her powers to make that money. I was thinking about that. We rewatched the pilot. <laughs> we rewatched the first two episodes last night after yes. this. And yeah, it was like she they have hired help. Maybe Lottie said something or did something, maybe to her dad, just sort of cryptically muttered, you know, like buy stock in Yahoo. Or and he was like, I don't know what it means, but the kids write more often than not. Let's, uh, you know, put some money down on this. Maybe that's the secret to Mr. Matthews' fortune. You, why, why would he send her and her team on a private jet to nationals? Because he owes everything to his daughter's power. So, hey, we, we might have a new theory here. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> so uh, we then got, this was interesting, Misty watching 
Ty talk to Coach Ben and Coach Ben almost looking at Ty with this admiration um, about going out on this mission. Coach Ben, thankful. And did you pick up on this? Did this? Did you take this that Misty wasn't jealous of the attention Ty was getting, but almost that Misty wanted to step up and be seen that same way by Coach Ben as someone that would be brave to save the group? Yes. Yes, remember the need for approval, need for attention, need to be needed is what really motivates um, Misty here. So I never saw her jealous of Ty. I saw what you just said, her wanting to be the hero in this situation. Yeah, and um, this was a good episode for for younger Misty because I think we saw her as part of the group. Um, This was almost Misty more in the background and not um, like the, the whatever awkwardness there's been in past group situations that didn't really come through on this trip right. for me. So I thought it was nice for you. Right. It was also a great episode for new present day Misty as well, which we'll get yes, into. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so she, uh, Misty uh, hugs coach Ben. I'll come back for you. <laughs> This thing was everything. Please don't try to stop me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I laughed so hard. And he was like, okay. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, so we had the party that left was Van, Ty, Mari, and Misty that went on the southbound excursion, um, taking with them what supplies they could, taking one of the axes. Um, and venturing off, and then we go back to present day, and we have Nat waiting at the hotel uh, with Shauna. Ty shows up. Um, they have fifty thousand dollars in cash. As Shauna points out, this is much smaller than heist movies led me to believe. Love that line because she was right. You know, every heist movie you ever see, every amount of money doesn't matter what it is, always looks like a bunch of money. Remember in The Hangover, they own Mr. Shaw $80,000 and they, they give him a bag similar size to this one and it is packed with money and it's only 30000 more. So mm. I was quite disappointed with the size of the stack. Well, it was all in hundreds and Shauna uh, brings the tote bag uh, <laughs> that Callie made for her dad, Jeff. Um, and which, again, Shauna's lack of sentimentality towards her daughter is fantastic. But she also yes. brings it. A- a tracker, which is a tile tracker, and points out this was highly rated on Amazon. I know. <laughs> she said, I guess tracking people is pretty big nowadays. <laughs> I told this story on our other podcast, but yes. when we moved, we bought a bunch of the Apple AirTags because, you know, you read horror stories about moving companies. I had my car transported. So I literally, like, named, like, that AirTag I stuck in my car, like, like low-rent you know, Lojack, uh, you know, um, named uh, the cargo. My wife talked me out of naming it like bag of cocaine or something funny like that. Uh, yeah, but no, I mean, dead body. I, yes, but air tags, I mean, they're so cheap, like trackers now are everywhere. So I thought it was very realistic in this series, the idea that you would just buy a tile tracker and think, okay, I'm going to shove this in there. I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about it. And I guess it was smart. They put it in some garbage to hide it out of the way because I think that, yeah, it's like, you know, this isn't even like breaking bad 10 years ago where you have to stick essentially a cell phone underneath someone's car. Like this right. is so simple now to track people. Right. Yes. I agree. But I mean, I, I, <laughs> I thought it was funny that she just started putting garbage in there and put it inside the Cheetos bag. Um, because if I'm, if I'm the person 
blackmailing them. The first thing I'm going to do is open the bag, just grab the money and leave the rest behind right then and there. Yeah. So, you know. <laughs> not, not to nitpick, they probably could have done something sticking it in the middle because it was thin enough in the middle of the stack of money wrapped. Yeah. Like maybe that would have worked, but I don't know. Right, um, right. I have but, mixed feelings about this entire scene, like um, with them, you know, the adult versions of themselves. I, I don't want to be too critical, but it, this was one of the scenes that I felt like it could have been executed slightly better. It reminds but we did get some good moments out of it. I know we talked about this before. I mean, I'm a big fan of the series Good Girls, and this mm -hmm. reminded me a lot of something out of Good Girls, the interplay between the three of them as adults, like yeah. doing something that's a little more crimey, heisty, stakeouty. like this felt like that, but I thought in a good way. But I will say that um, the conversations they had were important, yes. but I'm sure everyone was sitting during this saying like, okay, when are we going to get to see the bag man? When are we going to get some forward movement on this uh, because this seemed like mm -hmm. a good chance for a payoff. So I think the impatience was setting in and it was only after looking at Reddit and going back and rewatching scenes that I realized some of the more significant subtle details that yes. were revealed um, during this. Yes, stakeout. which is why I can't be too critical. I felt the moments in which they were in the middle of the heist and chasing the bad guy and this and that kind of took me out of it. But those moments where it was just the three of them or the two of them, because there's a moment that Sean and Thais are having a conversation that I feel really foreshadows yeah. something that we will see eventually. Those moments were so good that even what I didn't like did gave us a little bit of a payoff for more speculation and theories. And I think that that's the challenge that a lot of people have talked about between the weekly release model and being able to binge watch something. Yeah. Uh, because weekly, man, it's, it's like we only get... 55 minutes with these characters each week and i just not, not enough. enough not enough i want every moment to ca i could easily watch a three-hour supercut of this episode oh me too there was a there was one moment at the end when, when we get to it i'll tell you exactly when it was that i remember touching my ipad begging yeah. to see a longer bar left i was like god it's gonna end right here isn't it and then i looked and i'm like damn it like I knew it. I had that feeling. I, I didn't I didn't know how much was left, but I knew they were gonna leave us on a cliffhanger and I was so angry. <laughs> here here are the two biggest compliments I can give a TV show in the last 10 years. One, if I don't have my phone, if it's a phone down show, and for that that's been like yes. the Americans and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul and the shows where no phone, no distractions, I'm gonna sit and watch this. But the highest compliment I can give a show is exactly what you just said, where I want to pause it and see how long it has left because I almost it's almost going by too fast. I need to savor this. I need to know right. how much longer right. I have with this because I need to emotionally prepare myself for the fact right. that this is going to end sooner rather than later. And I love the fact that you just brought up your compliment about the phone down thing because it happened with me accidentally. I thought I was going to be constantly texting you because I knew we were watching it at the same time. So we were probably close to similar things. So I was like, oh God, I'm going to be blowing Glenn up. No, I didn't. My phone was yeah. down and I texted you as soon as it was over because I yeah. didn't want to, I didn't want to stop. I didn't want, and, and I feel like this show one second of distraction and you miss on a very big detail. So now I just like pay full attention to it, not wanting to be distracted. Absolutely. And I think that's, you know, and, and to that, I mean, talk about a payoff that we did get in this episode um, where we had Jackie talking to Shauna uh, and confronting her and saying, what are you hiding from me? Yes. And 
I'm amazed that we got two huge developments in this storyline. The first one that after some awkwardness and some pauses, Shauna telling Jackie that she is pregnant. Yes, I thought right then and there, God, she's going to fully confess. You know, I was I wasn't expecting her. I thought she was going to try to pull something out. But I also feel that at that time, Shauna does realize Jackie is your best friend. And when you have a good relationship with one of those best friends that know you better than you know yourself, you can't really hide much from them because they know. Yeah. <laughs> There's people that just know you better than you know yourself. And Shauna probably didn't think she was even suspicious. And then look, you know, Jackie is a lot smarter than than what people think. I also need to know what this um what their signs are horoscope wise oh because at one point um jackie said when did you stop wanting me to be your best friend and i was like that is so narcissistic like i guarantee you she's an aries but i need confirmation okay well i can tell you right now uh what her sign is because do we know her birthday right we do and it was after halloween i'm assuming early november because it was right after she's a scorpio Scorpio, like my sister oh okay okay mystery solved makes sense no no offense to my sister love you sis but makes all the sense in the world (laughs) jackie is a scorpio we're pretty sure yeah we're pretty sure jackie's a scorpio we're gonna have to figure all of them out because i'm big on science and astrology so (laughs) Well, you know, uh, the co-creator Ashley is on Twitter. You should you should tweet at her. And- I'm going to ask her. You're right. I'm going to do it because she seems to be responsive to people. I need to know. I have a theory that Thaisa is a Capricorn. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Yes. Maybe we'll find out. And I like that in the moment, even though Jackie wants to know the details, plus one for Jackie here, that even though she wants the details, her first instinct is to reassure Shauna that they're going to get through this and everything's going to be okay. Yes. Um, but at the same time, even though she wants the details, I think um, that she's already able to tell that that's not the full story or that she wasn't going to get the full story just out of her reaction of you lost your virginity and didn't tell me. And Shauna responds with, hey, I have a life outside of you. Uh, I being you know, we all being teenagers and that is a moment that you cannot wait to tell, you know, even after being teenager, doesn't matter. You always tell. And I just think like the fact that she didn't tell Jackie, if I'm in Jackie's position, that would erase all of the flags right then and there. So we then go to Ty and Shauna present day. Natalie is doing the drop um with the money <laughs> but you skip but you skip my favorite part oh i'm sorry she wait, takes taisa's range rover which taisa does not want to give her because that's her baby and she's like well i got the text and then she screams how do you start this thing <laughs> <laughs> i love that i love that almost as much as the amazon comment that shauna made earlier yes. I absolutely because what what was she driving an old porch? There's no way that she knew about like these new remoteless stars or all this kind of stuff on these newer cars. So it was oh, just funny. God. I appreciated no, that. My wife has a uh, one of the newer Prius models, and every t- like I forgot when we were visiting uh, the house that we moved to to check it out. I didn't know how to turn it off. I left the car running in the garage. No, did you know before, how dangerous that night. is? Well, it's it's a hybrid, so there's no exhaust. Thank. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but I left it on, running on battery for twelve hours <laughs> because I didn't know how to. T- I didn't realize. I thought you just put it in park. I didn't know. I had to hit the off button and wait for the little music to play and everything. New cars are a bit Something overwhelming. Else. 
something yeah. else. Yes, I remember the first time Uber picked me up in a Tesla, and I was like, "How the hell do I open the door?" <laughs> oh my god, I, I I've been I've been curious about Tesla, and through Turo, I rented one when I drove out to Vegas. Um, and yeah, it was it was just too much. I was yeah. like, it's terrifying the thought that I need to figure out all this technology almost on the yeah. fly to keep from dying while I'm driving. Right, exactly. I just, I'll never forget not knowing how to open the door. And I'm like, when did I get old? <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, I was passing us by. But it was funny because I, I think we all been there. I remember when uh, I rented a car, because obviously, you know, in New York, we don't really drive, but I wanted to take my nephew out to Philadelphia. So I rented a car and we're at the airport at the, at the pickup and I'm sitting there and I literally said that that's why I laugh. I was like, how do you start this thing? And my yeah. nephew was like, we are so screwed. <laughs> So I, I I love that moment because we've all been there driving a car that you have no idea how to even work it. And again, it speaks to the realism of the show because on how many shows do we see, especially on network where it's paid product placement and it's like a yes. commercial where they're like, ooh, I love this, this rear view camera and I love this auto self parallel park feature. You know, like this was real. This was not right. like, this car is so cool. It's like, how does this work? Um, yes. Okay, so let's talk about Shauna and Ty in this big conversation where yes. while Natalie is putting the money in the donation bin uh, where it's wanted to, where the, uh, the blackmailer wants to be dropped. I mean, Shauna essentially saying, you know, Hey, we have our families. Natalie had Travis. That was not positive. Um, essentially looking at her life. Uh, Ty saying, I can't fund another stint in rehab for her, but then the big detail, and I think a lot of people miss this because of the impatience, um, the line, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for, wasn't her. for her. Yes. Yes. We wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her. That is one of the biggest things that stuck in my head out of this episode. Like if you, if we were doing a immediate reaction episode last night, right? Like what we're going to be doing next week. I think the first thing that I would have told you is that we wouldn't be here without her. What does that mean? What does Natalie does to help get them out of the woods? Like I am so intrigued now by that. Oh, pardon me. And it is Ty that points out that. They yeah, it's Ty. Yeah, yes. And she, she also mentions, you know, Natalie has no one. And, and you can see the reaction. Again, we have praised um, the actress that plays Shauna, but I, her reaction of realizing what Ty was saying is right and she was probably being a little bit heartless in her approach you know because it's true yeah. like at that moment you can see her go wow she's absolutely right you know we we have people and she doesn't and the the I mean loaded statement we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for her um followed up with uh, immediately you know so I do what I can not just for her for me um yeah. so this isn't just about hunting they would have found someone else to fire the guns. Natalie played some pivotal role in getting them through their survival in 1996-97, or perhaps, if you want to speculate further, their rescue. Or perhaps once we get to the end, I can give you a little bit of speculating behind this. Oh, great. That's, uh, I'm very excited about this. So, okay, Natalie... Gets back. I know. I just really want to talk about the end. We could do an I entire know. podcast about the end of the just episode. about the last what five six minutes. Insane. Oh, not even that. Like the last three. I mean, God, um, yes. <laughs> so Natalie brings back some booze um, with her. They start drinking in the car and just start watching the tracker for some movement. 
<laughs> the fact that she brought the booth, I appreciated that because that's something I would do. Because you don't know how long you're going to be sitting there waiting. You might as well make a fun girls' night out of it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, oh, pardon me. Akila was in the party as well. So uh, I'm, I'm looking at the, the Southward Bound party. So we have Akila, Ty, Van, Misty, and Mari um, going Southward Bound. And um, yeah, it's interesting. I think that they are to a good start on this expedition, but I don't know. Were you, spirit. were you optimistic about the, uh, the success rate of this or because of knowing what we know about the series, were you almost like, could you suspend disbelief and have hope for them? I guess is my question. Yeah, I guess I was 50-50 about it. I didn't think it would work out, but just trying to go back and forward with the visuals that we've seen. And, you know, this is what we do. We speculate and put things together. It's like, well, maybe this group is not part of the big dinner with the antler queen. You know what I mean? So there was, I guess the 50% that thought it could succeed was just me being kind of like hopeful for it because I, I told you I have such a big belief in, in, in Thaisa's resilience that I was like when Van said with you of our fearless leader we're going to be okay I believed it <laughs> yeah well at least they didn't do could you imagine if there'd been a scene where Misty's like climbing up in a tree and sees like a logging <laughs> camp off in the distance and goes back and like I don't see anything guys think, think, right? we, think we're hosts <laughs> right <laughs> actually she would do that <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Misty wants to get out at this point. We talked about this in an earlier episode. I don't think Misty wants to be there forever. I think that Misty just wanted a little bit of time. In fact, now I think Misty wants to be out of there because then she can pursue her relationship with her secret boyfriend, Coach Ben. I, I bet. I bet she now has hope. I mean, she did promise she would come back for him. Yes. Um, <laughs> during this uh, exposition, Van points out that Lottie predicted prom queen and the whole scandal with Mr. Jenkins. Um, so yes, Van is a believer in the magic of Lottie. Um, Aren't we all? God, everybody had a Mr. Jenkins uh, scandal in their high school. Yes. (laughs) Everybody did. If you Uh, didn't go back to school, you need to have one. (laughs) (laughs) Um... We flash back to present day where, uh, listening to Phantom of the Opera, Misty watching Kevin Tan, uh, Officer Kevin Tan, <laughs> Detective Kevin Tan, sleep on webcam at Natalie's. And uh, Jessica Roberts is yelling, Misty uh, zooming in on Kevin, like on camera. Like, it's like, Misty, come Listen, on. listen. We know Misty has a, he's a little creepy when it comes to men. So I wasn't surprised by this. <laughs> Uh, and then Misty uh, goes downstairs uh, to tend to Jessica Roberts, who she has handcuffed, chained up in her basement. Um, I like this back. Then we go to the car with Shauna, Ty, and Natalie complaining about, you said to bring the money at 2 a.m. It's now 3.30 a.m. Where are you, Blackmailer? Yes. <laughs> the Blackmailer is not on her schedule, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Punctuality is something I really appreciate when being black man. Yeah, same. Agreed. Um, this, this is crazy when you think about what we saw later in the episode, but Natalie talking about with Kevin and how it's nice and he has kids, but it's nice. And oh my God, this was like 
further setting us up for the cliff we're going to fall off later in the episode with their relationship. Yeah, I loved how um, Sean is trying to get information out of Thaisa. Thaisa is just not giving in, and she's like, well, that was a great talk. And then just out of the blue, Nat just says, I'm screwing Kevin, you know? <laughs> and their reaction was just so priceless because, like, minutes before, they were just talking about how alone she is and she just lost Travis. And, and Nat is so private that she just keeps surprising people with these facts where they're just, like, feeling sorry for her when she's out there just doing her thing. I, I thought that was funny, the way they both looked at each other, like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> I had a moment like that at, at my high school reunion, my 20 year, where it was like later yeah. in the night, a bunch of us ended up at Denny's. And yeah, that's when it just like all the confessions came out about all the things right, you wouldn't right. want. Like, yeah. So this felt very, very real. The confessions me. never come out at the actual uh, graduation like this, the reunions. They always come out at the, the people that actually make it to the after after party. That's when you start getting all the high school confessions. Oh my God. And I love, I mean, I, I think this is a very light spoiler, but based on the season preview, we are getting their 25 year high school reunion. Yes. In episode 10, like, which I yes. think is going to be fantastic. Um, have you gone I to a high school wait. reunion yet? No, my, oh, about to reveal my age here, but my 20th was, I graduated in 2000. So my 20th was supposed to be in 2020 and it got canceled because of COVID. Oh yeah. So yeah. Yeah, they're they're trying to rework something to where we all meet up. I did, I think, like the tenth year one, but it was not my thing. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do the ten. I did the twenty, and I have to say, like, I didn't want to go, and I actually ended up having like a really incredible time talking to people that I didn't even hang out with in high school. So it was very cool. Right, right. It's funny because I get that from a lot of people where they're like, "Oh, I'm dreading it," but then they were like, "You know what? I'm glad that I went." So I was looking forward to mine and. Now we'll see if we ever get it because yeah, you know Puerto Rico is not in the best shape right now with COVID, oh, so I think everything might get shut down again. Um, so we get movement on the Bagman, and uh, <laughs> they decide uh, Shauna should not be driving given how much she's drunk <laughs> there. Uh, we then cut back to uh, the past, and this was a very interesting scene. I would love to get your take on this, Natalie. Uh, going into the room in the cabin where Travis is and saying like, Hey, everyone down, went down to the lake. Like we've got privacy. Let's get something going. And I feel like there's a lot to unpack in this scene. I, I have some suspicions. I, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but essentially Travis is into this and then he is not into this. And people have speculated everything from performance anxiety to some sort of trauma or deeper seated issue. What did you make of this scene and um, Travis's reaction to Natalie almost changing from being into it to then just uh, you know shutting down the entire situation? I think it was um, a combination of nerves. I think that Travis has shown in the past uh, when they're in a in a sexually tense situation to be nervous around Natalie and almost intimidated by the fact that she might be slightly more experienced than him because she also spoke about her experience and it's not like she has, you know, such a run start on him. So I think he just like gets nervous. I think he wasn't expecting it because you can see when she walks in and kind of like tries to get it started, he says, oh, well, where's everybody? So he's already a little nervous and anxious. And I feel like the walking away from it, it was just more of a result of embarrassment of not being able to you know, step up to the moment. You know, what's interesting is we have yet to get a Travis backstory 
Um, right. I'm assuming we will get one at some point, but we don't know why Travis and Javi were brought on this trip with their dad, Coach Martinez. Um, and I'm not saying this has anything to do with, with this scene in particular, but with Travis, we don't fully understand like what's been going on. When I went back and rewatched the pilot last night, I don't know if you noticed this, um, but at the big practice before they leave for nationals, Coach Ben says Coach Martinez had a family thing to deal with today, so he can't yeah. be here. Like, I just, I wonder what Travis is going through and if we're going to find out, um, you know, is there some tie to his backstory that explains, uh, you know, that, that's manifesting his intimacy issues when it comes to his relationship with Natalie? I have two theories. Theory number one is that Travis' dad was a jerk, which is kind of something that has been established. Yeah. And the mom sends the kid so he doesn't get away with doing anything bad at this trip where he's going to be free to do whatever he wants. Not if you have the kids with you, right? Theory number two is that is the mom the one that's messing up and wants a couple of Ooh. days off so that she can do whatever it is that she wants to do because the kids and the husband are not home. Yeah, and it could be that. It could be that they're the family situation and then Travis's general sexual anxiety are unrelated. But I'm very curious to know more about Travis because they have made him a very complicated uh, character before. And we've seen misogyny, uh, being dismissive. I mean, we've seen this range of emotions, but at the same time, Natalie's been very good at kind of bringing him around to a more nuanced understanding um, of gender dynamics and kind of, you know, to put it bluntly, making him less yeah. of a shithead when it comes to women. Right, agreed. But I think the backstory here, we're going to get it more from Javi hmm. than than Travis. I think they're going to try to keep Travis as likable as possible, you know? Um, and, and I think we, we might, I mean, based on the speculations and theories going on, I think we'll learn more about their backstory from Javi, not um, Travis. That's interesting. And Javi is interesting. Um, we'll talk about what he does in this episode, but Javi really keeps to himself for the most part. We've seen him dance. Mm -hmm. We've seen him in the seance, but Javi is just drawing or as we will learn later, like whittling. And making uh, carvings, but um, right. we have proof in this next scene that Shauna, for all her brilliance, is a pretty terrible liar. As Jackie interrogates her about the circumstances of how she got pregnant and lost her virginity, and Shauna gives a very flimsy answer about Mari's party, um, something that that Jackie you could see is just poking holes in immediately. In your mind. Because Shauna says she slept with Randy. Randy, who we've now seen grown up in the show, in the pilot episode, in the last episode. Randy, who uh, Jackie wanted to hook Shauna up with in the party the night before they went to nationals. Um, wouldn't it have made more sense if Shauna would have said this happened, like be truthful the night it happened at that party, but just said it was with Randy instead of Jeff. And instead she gives this made up Mari's birthday party story, which, you know, Jackie is just immediately able to, to blow holes in. Because um, I, I think that Shauna is pregnant from her previous encounter with Whoa. Jeff, not the encounter the night of the party. I think that because she she says when they pulled over, if you remember, he says, I thought we weren't going to do this again. So I do think something went on with, with, with Shauna and Jeff that night. And if you think about it, uh, Jackie does say that she took Randy home that night. Therefore, she didn't. She didn't have Jeff drive her. So who did oh, Jeff go home with that night? Um, but I do agree that as soon as she says Randy, 
once again, I told you the red flags from a best friend perspective should have raised as soon as such a big moment happened in Shauna's life and she didn't share it with Jackie. B, we do see a conversation between the two of them where she just asks so disgusted at the fact that Jackie would even suggest Randy that I would also be like, why are you lying? You know, like, you know that she had no attraction to Randy whatsoever. And we do get a glimpse of drunk Randy at that party before they go to nationals just to show you how not likable he is. So you wouldn't blame Jackie for having doubts at this story. Yeah, Randy, um, probably not in my top 10 list. Right. Of people I'd want to lose my virginity to. No offense to Randy. <laughs> but I think I might be better off picking, you know, a person at the yearbook uh, at random, perhaps. Yeah. Uh, yes, instead of Randy. Uh, just they've made his <laughs> character very unappealing. Agreed. And another thing that was extremely unappealing about this scene is that she mentioned she was drinking Malibu with milk. That sounds absolutely <laughs> disgusting. And I'm an avid Malibu drinker. I actually love Malibu. It comes in different flavors. It's one of my favorite versions of rum. But when she said with milk, I was like, ew. And Jackie said, I told you to stop drinking and not because I was worried about you being drunk. It's because it's disgusting. And I'm like, yes, sis. Why would you let your best friend drink that? Maybe that's like a New Jersey sort of low rent version of the lava flow or something, you know, instead of the coconut cream, like we're just using milk with the Malibu rum, you know, maybe like uh, Malibu It is 1996. Milk. I guess that there's not a lot of online places that they can go and search how to make a delicious drink out of Malibu. Yeah, the low rent <laughs> lava flow would be uh, milk, Malibu, and a maraschino cherry, you know? <laughs> It's so bad that he led uh, Shauna to lose her virginity to Randy. If that doesn't tell you enough. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, teenagers, <laughs> uh, like, I'm thinking back to my teenage drinking experience, and it's all, like, the most bootleg cocktails. Everybody, like, like it's, it, first oh, off, no. you know, you just start drinking peach schnapps. You know, you just go for the yummy drinks because that's easy. But everything else is like, well, what do you know how to make? And it's like, no one has ingredients. You know, for anything except uh, like a screwdriver, basically, or a sea breeze. You know, right? The screwdriver was our drink of choice here. I, I grew up in Puerto Rico, but it was because you had those little, like the 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 little containers of yellow juice. We would empty half of it, put some vodka or rum or tequila, and then walk around the school drinking it. And the best part is that here they don't ask you for ID. You can drink at eighteen, so we were always drunk. I remember we had a bartender's book. At a friend's house during a party. That's cute. And it was depressing because it was like, we have nothing to make these drinks. Um, you know, and someone would be like, do you have the blue stuff? And it's like, nobody has the blue stuff. We had to go like find a liquor store and someone to buy to get like blue Caracal. You know, like so nobody blue, has that. Blue Caracal is one of my favorite drinks, uh, obviously. And I will tell you right now that my mom would make me stick my tongue out when I came home to a from a party <laughs> to see if I've been drinking. And I failed the test miserably multiple times. <laughs> Louis Caracal, there you go. Uh, you can just be like, I was eating a raspberry Jolly Rancher and this is the color my tongue is. Yeah, every single night partying and every single high school party I went to, they had the blue raspberry Jolly Ranchers, right? Just Hey, Jolly Ranchers <laughs> were lit, man. That's... Uh... You know, can't get better than that. But uh, okay, more of the reason why Van is my favorite character. We go to the campfire, and this is, you know, I was thinking about this because my wife kind of pointed out she's like, Van's your favorite character because I think you, you relate to her humor, but 
especially that I would absolutely 100% be the one around the campfire telling stories of movies I'd seen in great yes. detail and probably also repeating like pretty good beat for beat recreations of what stand up comedy I remembered. I would be the one to entertain the group. And Van is doing that in spades with her dramatic retelling of the Sandra Bullock Bill Pullman movie while you were sleeping. Which is a great movie, by the way. But I, I love that you just said that because I thought about you during that scene. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, why is she acting like Glenn right now? A hundred percent. This would be me. Van is by far the character I relate to the most in this series. I can see it. I get it. Uh, which makes it oh so tough what happens uh, later. And they do hear wolves in the distance. Ty assuring everyone wolves aren't scared of human or wolves are scared of humans, uh, which apparently online everyone is saying, like, where did this come from? That's not a thing. It was her being a leader and just trying to keep her her squad calm. She didn't know what she was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. But as soon uh, as I heard the wolves um, howling in the distance, I automatically thought of this vision that she keeps having of a wolf. And I'm like, this is going to come back in some kind of way. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that that's where I started to dread this because I was like, oh, I don't know where this is going, but I didn't know yeah. who was going to be affected by it. And that's why just uh, Same. this, this, this was Same. tough. Um, we then get Misty with Jessica Roberts with While You Were Sleeping <laughs> playing on VHS. We also see uh, Misery as one of the films <laughs> that she has. <laughs> lovely. Lovely. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Um, and uh we get this conversation between them and we start to, to find some things out. It's interesting that Jessica is saying like, let me go. I'll work with you. Um, we do get uh, this idea that she has things to reveal. I believe here she reveals about Ty hiring right. her, um, but that she's really not going to talk until Misty lets her go yeah, uh, is the, um, the takeaway here. Also, why do people keep dissing Misty's hair? I, th I like Misty's hair. I I personally thought that that was a very, very bad choice because it's like she has you handcuffed. She already stuck you with a syringe and drugged you. She obviously gives no, she, she don't care. So why would you just go there? Like this woman yeah. is crazy. Don't, don't, I, I would have actually, if I was in Jessica Roberts situation, I would have paid her a compliment and try to become her friend. Because I do think that Misty is so desperate for that approval and liking of people that that would probably be the best way to approach. At one point during their conversation, she goes, we can work together. And I'm like, yes, girl, that is the approach that I would take with Misty. Yeah. And it's interesting that Misty is like, we could do this the easy way or the hard way. <laughs> it's interesting that Misty um, slaps her um yo she like stephanie mcmahon slapped her too it wasn't a wasn't a soft slap <laughs> well and given what misty does in a later scene we've learned that physical violence is not necessarily misty's strong suit but almost she's like so much more diabolical there's so much i mean what she ends up doing is just insane right right like criminal mastermind um okay tell me what you think of this uh we then get Shauna and Javi back in 96 and Javi had been going through Shauna's stuff, wants to borrow a hunting knife for an art project. Um, we'll talk about what happens later, but I'm just saying the, one of the prevailing theories feels like it keeps making a little more sense to me week in and week out, or they are purposefully effing with us here. Yeah. Um, agreed. That's all I could think about. It's like, it's going to go carved things into trees right that's the art project 
Yeah, <laughs> this is a question. What was the art project? Well, I want to do some paper mache, and first I need to get some bark, and then make the paper, and then get the paste, and dip it in there. Well, like, I was wondering, like, what is an art project? I was just kind of like, what a hunting knife? Yeah, like I have to admit, like Javi, you're a talented kid, but I was a little underwhelmed with art project. I thought we were going to get an installation and like living sculptures or something really elaborate. I mean, art projects. You know, really does sound a little more grand. Just put right. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, but what he ended up did end up doing was very sweet. Uh, Shauna though realizes that she should not leave her journal lying around now that she has completely lied to Jackie and she hides it above a beam up in the attic, which was almost too visible. It was almost the worst job she could have done at hiding it because it was like an open beam ceiling. You know what I mean? Like you could probably, if you look up, see it. Bury this shit in the wood. Bury your secrets in the woods, Shauna. Right, That's what right. you need to be doing. Right. There's so many other places that you could have put it. Yes. Um, so they go back in present day, Natalie, Ty, and Shauna, and the donation box is there. The truck driver's picking up to get the box. Uh, they pull a gun on him. He's saying, what in the hell are you Kill doing? Cute truck driver. Just a, just a random observation. The truck driver was cute. Well, we see that the blackmailer is then coming out of the back of the truck with the duffel bag, um, and they yes. lead on a chase through a Goodwill store. And I love that Ty shouts out to Natalie like they're doing a soccer play. You take the wing, uh, yeah. and they have the strategy. And they, I mean, they tackle him. He elbows Ty in the face uh, and gets mm -hmm. away. But when he does, he knocks over a table, including a big like barrel of glitter. Yes, which is foreshadowing. Yes. <laughs> you don't need a dye pack. Glitter never goes away. You can never no, remove it. No. It's like a tattoo. Yeah, they should put a glitter in with the money. That would have marked them. Um <laughs> But uh the blackmailer gets in the car. Natalie, we see the blackmailer drive by. Natalie goes to shoot him. Ty stops uh her from doing so, and the blackmailer gets away. And this was really interesting that if you look, you could see a close-up of the blackmailer's face. It is a man, and the characters confirm it is a man in a ski yeah. mask, uh, seen inside profile here. Now, there are some wrong theories out there that the silver okay. car being driven is Jeff's, because we've seen Jeff in right. a silver car earlier. Jeff's car is a Nissan. This is not a Nissan. If you look at the headlights, it's different. There's no Nissan logo in the front of mm -hmm. this. Um, I have not done my complete citizen detective forensic analysis. I was just yet. shut up. You took. I was just going to say excellent work, citizen detective Rubenstein. <laughs> well, no, because what I'm going to do is I'm going to look at all the profile shots of Adam and try and figure out can we get a profile shot. But remember, right? I don't think the creators knew that this was going to be a freeze frame show. This could be a stunt person, but I don't think they would have showed a close up right. if they didn't want us to look into this. Now, to me. Uh, let me get your first perspectives on what your thoughts were working at the close-up profile of the man driving that. I thought Adam. Interesting. I thought Adam to begin with. I didn't think Jeff until I started digging into what people were thinking, the hashtag, you know, what we do after we watch the show, right? I didn't think it was Jeff. And then, obviously, we see a preview of what to expect, and it kind of, like, made me think that I'm right about this theory. Well, so I guess we can we can spoil this because it again, they're not spoon feeding us everything. In the preview for next week, we did see that Shauna is in the closet that her and Jeff share, we've established, and does see some glitter. But I just want to point this out. 
if you're planning an anniversary party for someone and you're meeting up at a hotel with a party planner, maybe you're reviewing the type of glitter you want to like come nah, down from nah, the you're, ceiling. You're, you're reaching. Party. You're reaching, Jeff. You're reaching. I mean, I'm sorry. I just called you Jeff. <laughs> I see how you're it reaching. It, but it can't <laughs> be that easy. It. They're not going to show us in the preview definitive evidence of who the blackmailer is, would they? Well, you have two. You have two there. Could be okay. Jeff. Could be Adam. Could be. Which are, oh. which are the two main suspects here. So they could put the glitter on Shauna's house. And now that Adam has been inside, it could be either one of them. Okay. So that's a very good point. Actually, I hadn't thought of that. Or the driver to me did not look like Adam or Jeff. If there is a grown-up Javi we haven't met, that could be the driver. <sighs> I don't know if Adam is Javi, which is like the most heavily heavy theory out there, but because of what we learned from the reporter, I have a feeling that whoever it is, is Javi. Like, it has something to do with Javi. And Javi could have met Adam at art school. Adam is an artist. Javi is an artist. Like, that could be how they met and formed a connection. It's possible. Right. Possible. Yes. Um, but that is true, because I had not thought of that, that Adam has been in the closet. Adam could have tracked glitter into the closet. Oh, my God. This is very interesting. I have another weirder theory Okay. Uh, um, in this, like, and, and this is a little out there, but bear with me. Um, because they keep talking about the others, the others, the others, right? When they talk about the other survivors. I almost have this idea of what if, what if some stayed behind in the woods? Or what if some decided to return to the woods? And what if they started what, for all intents and purposes, is like a cult? And they have these followers. So let's, okay, let's just hear me on this. Let's say Lottie's the antler queen. And let's say Laura Lee's like the first disciple of the Antler Queen because she believes in right. her visions. Let's say they came back to society and decided that the Antler Queen and the visions and saved us in nature and a higher spiritual connection. Like, who's to say that it's just them and they didn't start marketing like, you know, they, you marketed as retreats to get in touch with nature and know yourself. But really, they're indoctrinating you into this cult. And uh, it is cult members who are following them and using this this elaborate uh, backstory and plot to blackmail the other survivors. Could be. I, I, I don't think this is far-fetched at all because that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, what happens if this gets split into a group that become cannibals and this and that in the group that is kind of like against them and, you know, the others are whatever group didn't make it. And it seems like one of those things that would happen in society where if you go and you survive something like a terrifying hike on Everest and you say, like, I had an experience where I felt like I touched God, there's a lot of money to be made in bringing in other people that want that yeah. same experience and enlightenment. Yes. And remember, in the pilot episode, we hear Natalie saying in her rehab meeting, I lost all purpose when we were rescued. And what yeah. makes you think that other people didn't feel that way and went right back because they didn't think they belong in society or the normal world anymore and additionally not even that i know we're, we're going a little far off on this what if here but <laughs> right. if there wherever they were lost and no matter how remote it is because they were found and that was identified i am a hundred percent positive there are tourists and people go to take that trip and experience that want to see where the yellow jackets were holed up for these 19 months Love that you're bringing that up because I was actually thinking about doing um, YouTube videos of visiting like crazy like locations where things like that happen. So yeah, you're yeah. right. There is an audience for that kind of stuff. 
I mean, yeah, there, I mean, an industry for that kind of stuff. And I'm sure that yeah. if somebody survived and was tough, they would be leading expeditions out there to where we're oh, going to do would. like I a, would definitely capitalize on it 1000%. Yeah. Yes. People do that with the Donner Party, you know, like there's yeah. Donner Pass. So I don't know. I'm just putting that out there that like there could be other people tangentially related to this involved in the Black Mountain. Nothing about the theories that I've seen or conspiring or even the conversation that we're having right now with what we know of this show seems far-fetched. Yeah. And remember, this is a five-season show that, you know, they've got a five-season plan. We've got more that's going to happen. So uh, I don't know. I don't dismiss the idea that the cult of the Antler Queen goes beyond the surviving Yellow Jackets. It could have a larger right. influence and there could be much more going on there. Um, I had the thought today while we're on this tangent, I really want this. I need to tweet about this. I hope that because the show is so hot that Showtime does a special in the style of those 90s disappearance specials that's like yes. talking about what happened to the, like, I want this in 1996. I want them interviewing younger Jeff, younger Randy, the teachers, the principal. It's a mystery about the yes. disappearance of the Yellow Jackets that looks like mid-90s television. Like a little true crime documentary that yes. was made when they were still missing. Oh, I would exactly. love that. Exactly. Like, and think about all the ones we saw about OJ and John Bonet and every single thing that happened. Yes, and you show the like 90s. the video clips of the news where the parents are like begging, like any, or the parents have given up hope. You know, like I really, really want to see this. Yes, I don't want this to be an episode, but you can get all the below the line players, none of the main actors, uh, actors or actresses. You can get all the below the line players and shoot these interviews and put it on YouTube, even. Yeah. Oh, this would be a great yeah. thing to build intrigue for season two. Um, yes. Okay, so we see the aftermath of Shauna, Nat, and Thaisa driving back, very upset at Natalie trying to shoot the blackmailer. Um, and this is I didn't understand why they were so upset because it has been established that Natalie's a good shoot. So she said she wasn't going to kill him. She was probably just trying to disable the vehicle, a tire or something, just to get him to stop. Well, and you can tell that for Natalie, this isn't just about... Why would Natalie sell her car? Why would she go to these lengths? For her, this is about finding out who murdered Travis because she is convinced whoever is blackmailing them murdered Travis. It's the same person. Shauna and Ty, this is just them trying to protect their secret. They're not quite as invested um, in catching this person. Not to say they're not invested at all, but uh, but this is a really raw scene. Julia Lewis, this episode was fantastic, but she's, you know, saying that like she has this plan, she's gonna do this herself. Like, you think I'm the messed up one, you're just as messed up, you just hide it better. I mean, what did you think mm-hmm. of Julia Lewis's performance as Natalie in this scene? In this probably, um, you know, probably the best episode for her so far. I thought she really shined. I thought that the the realness and, and the more that we see of her and Travis in the woods, the more that you can understand, which helps you relate more to why she's acting this way. You know, I think Travis is all that she had and they're doing a good job at, at getting you to care about the relationship. And it goes to, you kind of want to root for her. At this moment in the show, I'm sitting there asking, why did they stop her? I'm sure she could have shot the car in a way where she disables him without, um, without killing him, you know, and they could have found out who he was. Well, and this is where Ty trying to protect her campaign is working against them because Ty needs to do everything in such right. a covert manner that you can't do this by any means necessary. Right. Um, so maybe shooting on herself is not a good idea. Yes. So... <laughs> Here's a sign that the shit's going down. The river of blood, which I like that they explain is mineral deposits changing the color of the water. Right. 
very well done for giving Lottie's vision an exact, uh, like real world explanation. explanation. Yeah. Right. Um, but then creepier that those mineral deposits are calling the compass to go crazy and they don't know what direction they're heading and should they head back. Right. Right. And they should have. <laughs> I don't know. Now, again, like not to be the survival, uh, you know, cause I, cause I read a book, but if water is flowing, you know, my wife and I were saying like, follow the direction the water is flowing in. Like that's going to lead you to something. So that was my first thought. Like really? that this was a good thing, oh, not a bad thing. My first thought would have been, "Why am I here in the woods? I hate it. I don't want to move. Leave me alone." <laughs> <laughs> like I'm just staying here. I live live next to the stream. Yeah, now. I'm gonna just stay in the plane until it flies again. <laughs> oh, seriously. Um, this is really, really tough. And they're talking about like what are the significance of like how much we should be listening to Lottie, and that's where I think Van wants to turn back here is because if Lottie says she's had this bad idea now granted she does have the the good luck charm uh the the protective uh, uh piece of bone that Lottie gave her mm-hmm. but Ty is like not paying attention to these omens and just saying like okay we need to soldier on and just keep going yes but Ty did did offer them whoever doesn't want to do this anymore go back but at this point it's like if, if Ty is your leader and she's not gonna guide you back I'm not going to go back because I'll probably get lost and the compass is not working. So you're kind of like stuck in a situation where I'm like, no, I'm stuck with you because I don't know how to figure out my way back either. And if I'm feeling unsafe in a group of five, being alone or in a smaller group isn't going to make me feel better. I'm staying with the group. Right. You know, right. No matter what. Exactly. Then Shauna pulls up at her house at 4 a.m. and Adam is waiting there outside in his Bronco. Messy. Messy. Very messy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this whole thing is way too messy from both of them. Like, what is this child? Why are you standing outside of her house? This is a married woman. You're aware of this. I do know that we established earlier on that her kid is not home, but it's just like, don't do that. Don't do that. And then and then Shauna just tries to act all tough. It lasts a whole two seconds. Ah, this made me mad. <laughs> and Adam makes a calculation where she's like, I'm going inside. And he's like, you're just afraid because you're not in control and you want to blow everything up. And then she's apparently, he said the magic words because Shauna went from get off my lawn to like, I'm going to bring you in and continue my affair with you in my marital bed. Messy. (laughs) Shauna, girl, I thought you were smarter than this. I thought you were smarter than this. I'm already a little disappointed that you're cheating, but bringing it to your own home, uh, messy. I think here at Yellow Jackets Buzz, we have to say that we don't condone infidelity but if you're gonna do it oh for good lord like you know be be smart be be smarter than this about it. yes please please yeah. don't 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 be committing infidelity with somebody that's gonna pull up at your at your house and stand outside of it until you come home which goes to show that i do think adam is part of this blackmailing because how did he know she was out that late and she was gonna come home at that time had we established before that Adam knows where Shauna lives? No, but he did fix her car. I would assume an invoice had to be made. No, but he did it for free, though. Right, but you had to keep record of it. Therefore, mm. she could have given the address. He could have easily gone all Neve catfish on her and just search her. I mean, Shauna is a, is a Googleable person. So I would yeah. assume a lot of her information is out there, whether she likes it or not. I don't think it's been established on the show. 
But I also don't think it's very hard to figure out just because these girls are survivors and everybody knows their business. Yeah. Um, okay, so we get to the last 10 minutes, last 11 minutes of this <sighs> episode, which are so eventful. First, Natalie goes back, sneaks back into bed with Kevin Tan, who's asleep. Uh, in the woods, we see Ty, Akila, Mari, Van, and Misty saying, okay, we're going to, you know, we need to go to sleep. We need some rest. Um, let's stop arguing. Let's take turns on watch. Uh, so, man, we were just setting up an eventful end to this episode here. And then... Wait, Miss- before you skip yeah, going, can we, can we talk about Van telling Ty, don't give us a speech, we just want to sleep? Like, it was like, it's already awkward. The situation is completely screwed up. I do not need a motivational speech right now. I love that moment from Van because I am that way. When you're in that kind of situation, it's like, please don't try to give me hope. We're kind of screwed here. Let's just go to bed. <laughs> it says something about the strength of the other characters that Van is not right. the leader in this situation. Because I feel like Van, not to keep putting Van over because she's my favorite character, but Van seems pretty level-headed, confident, and I don't know, like, I believe in Van's leadership abilities. I don't think she makes rash decisions, and I feel like she's a good middle level-headed person to weigh the evidence and then make a decision correct that balances ty who is the i'm gonna get what i want no matter what i have to do or get through to get it yes where where van will probably think about other things instead of being so focused on the end game that doesn't realize everything going on all the signs pointing you from that that's you know i like van as a leader but i just love that moment from van in this episode which was like no no motivational speech right now please we don't need that yeah like let's do this um yeah go to bed (laughs) so misty and the fentanyl and oh my god Ah! She's not going to torture Jessica Roberts. She's going to find out where Jessica Roberts' father is staying, uh, make friends with the nurse there, and poison a box of chocolates to send to him to cause him to overdose. Like, holy shit, do not cross Misty Quigley. My favorite part is how she had it covered in that whole fentanyl so addictive they're going to just see it as an overdose and nobody's going to know that he was murdered. And I'm like, holy crap, this girl thought everything through. Oh my god. And um just the the level of detail here, like I'm what else has Misty done? You could have a Dexter like spin-off about what Misty has been up to in her or adult. What life. is she doing? Yeah. Uh yeah. Was she gonna eat the guy on her date in episode two or trap him in the basement? She really wanted to get him inside. Yes. Just putting it out there. Okay, so we found out that Jessica had met with Travis, did bring the expensive bottle of liquor, did try and butter him up that way, but he wouldn't talk. We do find out that Jessica does believe Travis was murdered. She does not uh, know who did it. Uh, she alludes that she has some ideas, perhaps. But the big thing she says is that Travis's bank account was closed the day after he died, emptied and closed. Uh, so she's following this path as well. And... Misty doesn't necessarily believe it here, but Jessica does seem to be displaying that, yeah, she is absolutely uh, on their side in trying to figure out what's going on and and uh, gave up time. It's heavy. It's heavy. <laughs> Who else would know Travis to go and close his bank account if it's not heavy? It's Natalie. Yeah. Emptied his account. But they did say that he was barely making anything. Um, I mean, maybe he which had is savings. why the same person is blackmailing the girls now, because they realize, oh, Travis is broke. I got to get this money somewhere else. Yeah, this is really interesting. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. 
is it Javi? Is it Adam? I don't think it's Jeff. Well, the bring 50,000 in cash text came after Travis. Yeah. Did. So if you realize yeah. Travis is broke and you're trying to get money, then you move on to the next to the next group of people that you can get that money from. Yeah. Maybe it is Javi. I mean, I don't know. Like this could go in so many different directions yes. right now. Um, I still don't fully understand rewatching episode one and two last night. I still don't fully understand how Adam caused the accident with Shauna, given that Shauna turned down a different street. She wasn't being followed. Adam was already on that street. She rear-ended him. I like, see I don't, your point. Yeah, I yeah, don't yeah, know yeah. how that plays in yet, but... If he would have rear-ended her, then he would have probably... He would have more room for that theory. Yeah, or if they would have... He would have been following her, pulled ahead, and then, like, set it up like one of those uh, insurance scams. Like, I can understand yeah. that. But, um... So, speaking of Adam, uh... Shauna wakes up when she hears a car shut outside, and Jeff comes Messy. home. see Infidelity, no do tips number two. If you're gonna condone this, if you're gonna do this at your home, don't fall asleep. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> don't fall asleep i get it though it was what like 4 30 a.m and then they did business so you know i can understand but it's like no 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 you don't do that don't do that <sighs> shauna like shauna is so bad at like we've learned it she's bad at lying she's bad i mean we've seen it right like saying she's with homeland security in episode three like shauna is shauna if you're gonna do dirt you gotta step up your game and get better at this because saying she like go out the window with misty Yes, seriously. Misty. Misty needs to teach her some tips because this whole thing was messy. Misty would be like, I can't even get one man and I'm going to give you advice about how to juggle two. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> um, oh so she God. says, go out the window. No, hide in the closet. The window, the screen's rusted shut. Um, so this is where we get Adam in the closet. Somebody put glitter in the closet we saw for next episode. Is it Adam? Is it Jeff? Who knows? Um, but Jeff goes into the bedroom. Okay, Jeff does do the someone who's based on what I understand, someone who's having an affair and does know how to cover their tracks. He does the thing, yeah, I was out all night and I'm doing this, and I'm gonna just put my clothing away here in the hamper. Don't pay attention to that. And oh, you know what? I'm gonna take a shower. Gotta gotta wake up a little bit. I mean, again, I don't think Jeff is having an affair, but they are definitely having him exhibit so the signs of behavior of someone who is. Yeah, they're they're trying to exhibit that, but I, I think it's just to make people be suspicious of him, so you have a more sympathetic situation, like feeling towards Jeff. Once we figure out what he's really up to, I yes. I have a new theory, by the way. My new theory oh, yeah. is that he has another job, um, because Ooh, he's trying like to that. put more money onto the college fund, and that's the reason why we see him gone so much. But he doesn't want to tell Shauna that he's working two jobs to meet to make ends meet. Oh my fucking god. I just what? figured this out. What? Jeff's second job is working at that hotel. That's why he was at the hotel during the day of meeting with the woman. It was probably an interview. <laughs> no, that's why she texted him at 10 o'clock at night because that woman works the night shift. Bianca works the night shift. That's why she texted him because she was working that night. Jeff's second job is working at that hotel. Yeah. I mean, I can see it now. I can see that. I absolutely love how we just figured this out. Why should not be it? One of us needs to put it on Reddit, just in case. No, let's put the clip. Let's get it out there in the universe. Yeah, Jeff's yeah. second job is working at the hotel. That's why Bianca, Bianca's a night shift worker. She texted him at night. That's where he's been going at night is he's doing overnights, you know, front desk. 
who knows, right? He's working at the hotel. We're powerful, Glenn. The two of us conspiring together, we can figure out this entire storyline. That's which is why we make such a good duo because we think so differently, but then we kind of like mix it together. But it has a but that that would absolutely make sense. And in fact, so in episode two, here's the other thing about this about the inventory database problems. In episode two, we see Jeff working like he's got longhand paper out, do like doing accounting, doing things like that. Like, I think he's using that inventory database as the excuse, but he's working nights essentially at the Mm -hmm. hotel to make ends meet, pick up some shifts. Yes, I think the second job is more than my first theory, which was therapy. I like the second job idea. Yeah, but that's how it makes sense why he was at the hotel with that woman, meeting with her there. Yeah, Yeah, there we go. Oh my God, we've cracked the case. Yes. It's going to be really funny if that's what is actually happening. (laughs) I love it, though. I love love being right, so. (laughs) Oh my God, we got to get to the rest of the episode. I know, I know. But let me just say, though, also, by the way, um, Uh uh-huh. The reason why he wouldn't have showered at the hotel, and I know this because I've had friends that work at hotels, some hotels, it is very frowned upon using an empty room for whatever reason. I don't know why, but it's very frowned upon. Well, because you're paying housekeeping to clean it and and have it ready for your next guest. You don't want one of the workers to go in there and mess it all up, especially this is the current day. You have COVID, so all these hotels are following extra you know, extra cleaning and disinfecting things. So you're not going to have somebody just go in there and mess all that up for a quick shower. Yes. Okay. So let's talk about the last six minutes, the last five, six minutes of the episode. Okay. Uh, Shauna says to uh, Adam, when you hear the water running, count to 10 and leave. Yes. Um, Okay. Kevin wakes up in the hotel, looks at his gun, notices around is missing. And I knew this from other media. But he says to Natalie, like, do you understand that I have to account for every single round discharged from my firearm? Natalie says I was in the park. uh, The gun I was messing around with the gun. It just went off. And he's surprisingly understanding, saying you need to show me where it was like we can I need to file a report. But uh, based on, on this and the rift between them, I mean, Natalie straight up like breaks up with him. And says, yeah. like, your crush on me is sad. Like, what, what did it you was make me. of this? Yeah, I was heartbroken. I was heartbroken for, for Kevin. And I was liking the connection that they were building. So I think Natalie is doing the typical pushing the people that you care about away. That, that trouble people doing pretty much every TV show in real life. Um, but I was, it was a very, very sad scene. And I didn't realize how invested we were into Kevin and Natalie. Until she breaks his heart because <laughs> yeah. it affected me more than what I originally anticipated that it would. But maybe it was the way that she did it because you know that Kevin is doing all of these things to help her, things that he shouldn't even be doing. And even here, she messes with his gun. And at first, he's willing to cover it up. Just tell me where it was so that I can go, you know? And she's still, but at the same time, I feel like Natalie is in a little bit of a messy situation right now, just trying to citizen. <laughs> citizen detective Travis murder therefore being involved with a cop probably not a good idea when you're doing things that are not so legal yeah um and she does the thing that i remember reading this i don't even remember in what book but this was top typical relationship advice like if you mess up in a relationship and you know this ultimately isn't going to work out the best thing you can do for the other person is make this as unrepairable severe as possible so to like so they will turn around and not look back, essentially. Right, right. And she clearly does that here, like saying that, you know, her feelings 
or his feelings for her are sad. I don't know that Kevin's going to stay away, though. Yeah, I, I don't think Kevin's going to stay away. Yes. Um, we cut back to the woods in 96, and we see the knife, and we see a little uh, carving, I think, uh, of a wolf, uh, potentially. Coincidentally, that Javi left for Shauna. So that was the art project. Um, yes, and it is clearly a wolf looking at the side perspective of this. Uh, Javi Adam, the Javi Adam connection only further deepens. Yes, yes. Um, then Shauna goes to sleep. And when she does, oh my God, this is like the most action-packed end to an episode I think we've had so far. We see that the diary is missing, uh, missing from the, the beam where she hit it. We cut to the woods and by campfire, Jackie is reading the diary and just crying. This was and the moment that I paused to see how much we, we had left of this episode. This was the exact moment. And I felt so heartbroken for Jackie. Oh, just, my heart hurt. And Shauna, look, as we keep coming back to, if you're going to do dirt, if you're going to lead this kind of life, you need to get better at this. Do not write it down. That's how they caught Capone and Nixon. Shauna, do not keep that, records. Shauna, messy since day one. <laughs> I used to think about this. How do you this. feel about Jackie here? Did you sympathize for Jackie? Did your heart hurt for her a little? Because I was heartbroken here. Heartbroken for her. Absolutely. I don't think Jackie is a very likable character. And maybe like I'm... Well, okay, maybe I'm projecting like yeah. just a lot of feelings I've had towards uh, people I've known that were kind of in that situation, like their parents overly praised them so much. And in turn, right. they sort of treated everyone like a lesser. And we've seen that with Shauna, like Jackie absolutely thinks she's the the main character in the story and that Shauna's her sidekick. And maybe I resent that a little bit because I've had friends like that before. Uh, both right. male and female that remind me of Jackie. But no, I mean, I definitely feel for her betrayal and her finding this out in the worst manner possible because this isn't just Jackie found out that Shauna had sex with Jeff and got pregnant. Jackie is now reading Shauna's most intimate play-by-play -play detail of not only the event itself, but the relationship with Jeff, her feelings about betraying Jackie, like... And she's probably reading that it wasn't a one-off thing. Oh, absolutely. And she's probably reading Which about... Which is probably even more painful. And like, I, I made him tell me that he loved me. And it, uh, it's, it's, it, I, I could only... I, that's what I started doing, was speculating what was all written on that, that Jackie's reading right now. Because, and, and seeing her just cry in front of that fire, like, it was just... Uh, it was such a sad moment for Jackie. And she, she's going to be so alone now. Yeah. It's... um. It's definitely a betrayal, and this is the worst way to find out because, again, she is reading Shauna's most intimate thought process. She's reading – it's literally like Jackie is reading, Shauna wrote a book about betraying their friendship, and here's now in grave detail everything or that happened. almost happens. watching it. Or almost watching it happen. Yeah. Because I mean, what do you do when you read a good book or a good something? You start trying to picture in your head how that went, which is horrible for Jackie. This, I mean, th yeah, this is probably the worst way to find out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's which is why I thought earlier Chana was just going to completely confess that way she could at least spin the narrative of how she tells Jackie and how Jackie reacts here. She's not going to be able to control anything. And it's going to be once again messy. Chana, messy since day one. I'm making that her motto. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, and then, oh my God, oh, the no. scene. No, Ty no. is in the tree. She has the talisman, the good luck charm that Lottie gave to Van. 
We see her in the tree with a flare gun, uh, waking up, almost unsure. I mean, it seemed like she was unsure how she got up in the tree. Um, she right. seemed very confused. Down below, she hears uh, screams. She sees the smoke, too. Sees the smoke and then sees that Akila, uh, Mari, and Misty are keeping a pack of wolves at bay who are attacking them. Looks over to the side, you know, asks where Van is, and there's a wolf snar- snarling, dragging Van away while Van is screaming. Um, Ty takes the flare gun and shoots at the wolf, uh, where we get the red smoke that Lottie foretold earlier in the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Goes over and uses that distraction uh, as a means to pick up the axe and then proceed to just like kill the wolf as dead as dead can be. Um, after that is done, looks at Van, who is mauled. I mean, you could see her teeth through the side of her cheek uh, ripped out by the wolf. Um, Excellent work with the makeup again. I know I oh. talked about the special effects makeup earlier. This was this was very, very good. Yes, and Van, I mean, she was screaming earlier, but the assumption here in Tice's reaction does suggest that Van is dead. Mauled by uh, a wolf, and um, Ty is screaming as we end the episode. Um, Regardless of the fate of the character, I mean, this is one a payoff of the the wolf trauma that we had seen that Ty has carried with her into present day. Um, we see that they are not safe uh, on this journey. Um, only upside of this is that they have some wolf meat that they can eat uh, coming out of this. But Van, even if she survives this, is not in a good way. If she what- survives this, she's going to be this figure for life. Her yes. face is completely like torn apart. Uh, this was this was tough to watch. As soon as they say Van is over there, before you even get the visual of her being dragged by the wolf, I felt my heart drop. I already knew where this was going. I didn't think it was going to be Van. I honestly thought that it was going to be one of these secondary characters that we never really seen or gotten to know, right? The other girls that went in this trip that we you mentioned their name, Mary, and the other one. I thought it was going to be one of them. Right, I thought it was going to be one of them because we know, we don't know anything about this character, so it would be easier to kill one of them off. But that's not what this show does, right? They, they, they're they going to get you in, in what you're invested. I don't know if Ben is dead. I, I gotten lost in so many theories, and there's a couple of screenshots that show her, but we, we get so many back and forth in this show that this could be screenshots from a different time that they're showing us that happened before this. You know what I mean? So I don't know what ends up happening to Van, but I will say this is the first moment, the first heartbreak loss that you that I felt the most in this show. Well, even without speculating based on other materials that are out there, I did notice very quickly the Van in episode two when she was on the plane and burnt, and Van with the wolf. Yes. It's the left side of her face. And if you screenshot compare, the two yeah. injuries are very similar. Van has also cheated death now twice previously. I have stated in my long theory for the show, and I agree, she is likely disfigured. I mean, I'm doing gymnastics in my head because, look, Van's my favorite character. I think Liv Houston is an amazingly talented actor in their performance in this show. I want that to keep going on as long as possible. But, yes, I'm doing gymnastics in my head 
of saying like, okay, did they bring the old spice? Can they disinfect this? Does somebody have a sewing kit? And Misty yeah, knows how to stitch. I was thinking about Misty probably stitching her face back together and they get back to the regular camp where she can be better taken care of. I thought about that too. Like, I don't, I, I personally don't want to believe that she's dead. I want to think that she makes it through this somehow. Now, earlier we were talking about the Natalie helping them being there. I was speculating about maybe Natalie is one of the people that helped, um, that helped Ty get over her guilt over this happening mm. and that's why she keeps protecting her and you know like i feel like ty maybe like nat plays a big part in helping ty let go of that guilt even though we know now that she's never really been able to let go well and we know so what do we know we know in present day the van and ty aren't together right ty is married to another woman i believe her name is simone that's all we know and that relationship seems to be a little on the rise. so if van right. we're going to reemerge, van now's your chance rekindle rekindle what you once had um but no i think that based on what we know of van i have said since day one i think van is the toughest character in this show we've seen her cheat death now twice i'm i have my fingers crossed i don't want to be overly optimistic again people are saying there might be some evidence out there that suggests but to your point we don't know what time period that's from and promotional materials can sometimes also be purposefully misleading um sometimes there to psych you out sometimes i saw somebody posted on the on the subreddit a picture and in a pier that she's in the corner and she's wearing a eye patch yeah but i didn't get too deep into that i don't know what i want to think here i just don't want her to be dead no i don't want her to be dead uh, i want her to make it through this and i want to see an adult van played by lauren ambrose or sarah rue or alicia witt nice Good choices. Uh, even christina hendrix would be a very interesting cast uh, that would be very though. good mm-hmm like, uh, you know, Good Girls was canceled because apparently she didn't get along <laughs> with the guy that played uh, the drug dealer that she had the chemistry with. So I'm saying Christina's available. Uh, but no, I think that, um, yeah, I think there's something about Van that I wouldn't count her out yet, given the toughness and resilience we've seen of her. And um, if for some reason this is it for the character, I hope that it lives on in flashbacks that the van yeah. lives on, uh, the character lives on in flashbacks and visions going forward. And if not Liv Hewson, I am first in line to DVR season pass pre-buy whatever project you work on after this, because I think you are incredible. Uh, yeah, I agree with you on that sentiment. And I'm hoping that, uh, I don't know, maybe she, we can start seeing her as a vision that Ty sees if, if yeah. we're not going to see her back in the story. But I'm not ready to let go and not see her again. So they need to figure something out with Van. Yeah, and Jackie's still haunting Shauna in 2021. Yes. So I'm just saying Van could have a lot of appearances on this show, even if it's not on this mortal plane. Yes. Yes, and again, Lonnie, I know there's a lot of speculation out there about Lonnie, but she was absolutely right. Oh, yeah, Lottie is, uh, and that's why she's the cult leader of the Antler Queen cult in the future, doing retreats in the mountains uh, where they're <laughs> For they're the tourist guy, the tourist guy. Yes, and they're doing cupping, and they're doing hot stones. I think some people might end up drinking their urine at some point. It's a very new age, spiritual, commune with nature retreat. Lottie is guiding in the year 2021. Amazing. <laughs> I don't know why I feel you get deep enough into the spiritual retreats and the, the sort of cult like stuff. And at some point, somebody's drinking their own urine. It just happens. Seems to be, you know, based on the reading I've done, that's the direction it always goes. I don't know. Trying to, trying to bring up light in the mood here a little bit because I've, Van, Van can't so you be think, dead. So you think that going from the end of the episode to talking about drinking your own urine is how we line up the mood around here? 
<laughs> I don't know why. That's always my shorthand for where New Age loses me. You know, yes, I believe somewhat in healing powers of crystals. Yes, I believe in, uh, you know, uh, like sweat therapy and like getting out your emotions and primal scream and whatnot. But I feel like it's when it comes to drinking their urine, it's like, okay, you're kind of losing me a little bit here. Uh, no, I, I don't know what the antler queen cult believes in. I apologize if I'm offending anyone that follows the religious teachings of Lottie and the antler queen cult, you know, but I don't, I just, I'm just speculating here. You know, thank God yes. they found the lake where the yellow jackets would have been doing that like day one. Uh, <laughs> no, look, I want Van to be alive. I'm just putting it out there in the universe. Van, you have to Please. survive this. You have to survive this. Favorite character Mold on the show. Mold oh, by a wolf. Survive the fire in the plane. I mean, that would make her the most badass character. And that's Which she already think... is. Honestly, she already is. Even if she doesn't survive the mauling of the wolf. No, absolutely. Um, and Van should be the leader. You should all be listening to Van, who should then take the advice from Lottie and interpret it. Like, this is the way it should all go. But uh, look, she I'm should excited. be running for, for office. Not Ty. <laughs> Van should be running for office. <laughs> Do you think Van would be putting up with this blackmail shit? Van would have found the blackmailer like day oh. one. No, they would. She would never be blackmailed. People would be too scared to blackmail her, yeah, so she wouldn't like, even have to deal with it. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh my god! Like, and we've got three episodes left to go in the season. This is episode seven. We've got eight, nine, and ten. And then Issa, here's the ah. terrible reality. Perhaps just as bad as losing our beloved Van as a character is that we're going to have to wait, like, probably a year for new episodes no, of Yellow Jackets. No, not that long. I know, maybe by the end of 2022. I don't know what the production schedule is. And I was trying to find out. I know Showtime renewed it for a season two. I don't know if it's going to be 10 more episodes. I, I don't want them to reduce the quality of the show, but part of me is like, man, I really right. hope we get, like, a 12-episode or a longer season uh, right. because I want to spend time with these characters. This is... Me such too. a joy to watch this show and see the story unfold. Me too. And I would assume during the time off, I guess we'll come together when news or any production updates get released. Maybe do like an update as, as it goes on, right? Yeah. Well, I think we talked about this earlier. So my theory of how I see this unfolding is one, there's definitely going to be stuff to do recaps of. There might yeah. even be some, you know, we could do some episodes specifically about like Javi, Adam, or Antler Queen, or we could talk about that. Love I think that. There are guests to be had. Like I said, I want to interview everyone on this show from the yes. creators, the actors, the music supervisor, the director of photography, the casting director, like anyone that's willing to talk to us. I know, and I know that the fans, the audience, it's not just us. Like we have so many questions, but we don't want to be spoiled, but we want to know more. Uh, we could talk about the original script of the pilot that leaked and is out there. We could talk about the original backup script that was written that parts of it ended up in episodes three and four, but didn't right. get used for the entire series. Like there's going to be a lot to talk about in between the season. So I think yes. that there'll be some things. We'll to hold find our way to, to, yeah. to put product out for people and keep the interesting going. Absolutely. So if you have questions, if you have theories, you can email us yellowjacketsbuzz at gmail.com. Issa, this has been so great next week. Okay. So we're calling it next week. 1 a.m. Eastern, 10 p.m. Pacific, Saturday night, next yes. week, we're doing a special live reaction episode. I think we should try and do that for the last three. So January 2nd, 2022, we're doing these live reaction episodes. And then the next yeah. day, we will do uh, our full recap. recap. And uh, I don't want to spoil it yet, but we have a guest, uh, someone from uh, our uh, internet wrestling community, someone amazing and incredible that is also a big fan of Yellow Jackets. She's going to be joining us next. 
Sunday to talk about episode eight. So excited for this. Uh, Me too. I can't Issa wait. Lisa is at NYC Demon Diva. That's Diva with a one. I'm at Glenn Rubenstein. Thank you to everyone for tuning in. And we will catch you back here next time on Yellow Jackets Buzz. Take care. Bye.